morning, everyone. I'm Bill Nealon. I'm Shira Shen. And we are a daily dose of vitamin Bill. <laughs> it's a beautiful day out there this May 14th, Sunday. Great day to go to the beach if you want, spend time with the family, or just go catch a movie. Yeah, and normally you'd find me at the theater watching one of the latest movies, but I do want to go to the beach. I mean, I'm really waiting for those low tide, seaweed free days that are coming very, very, very soon. Until then, I'll be at the beach. <laughs> I enjoy the beach too, but when I go, you usually find me reading a good book. Yeah, oh yes, yeah, speaking of good books, how's that Harlan Coben book you're reading right now? Finished, that's how it is. It's been three days. <laughs> I know, I zip through those, but they're always good. <laughs> a lot of suspense and excitement. He's a great writer. Yeah, so I agree. Um, do you prefer the physical book or the audiobook? I've done both. I've read audiobooks or listened to audiobooks and I've read Kindle, but there's something about having that book in my hands, turning the pages, putting the marker in. Uh, kind of an old school guy. I'm not that tech savvy. And uh, I, I like some of the the older, older fashioned things. But, you know, recently, speaking of which, I, I know you've seen on the news this threat of AI and the uproar against it. Yes, there is a big concern with the dangers of AI. And you know, it was ushered in by the shutdown in 2020. And what we realized was that half the world can function without the other half. It can function remotely. And that's what ushered in that use of AI because now we're, we're, we're at home. The, the world doesn't need to run with us in it. And that's the biggest problem. Now we have scams. And guys, with anything good, there's always gonna be something bad. So with AI scams, I know you guys have been hearing all over TikTok and, and Instagram and social media about the AI voice scams. So what happens is they call, they use your voice and they call someone that you know and they tell them that you've been kidnapped or you know something has happened to you and that you need to send money, wire it here or wire it there and you get scammed out of money. There's a new AI scam that you need to be aware of and it's absolutely terrifying. If you have ever uploaded any video to the internet, a TikTok, YouTube video, any video to the internet, you and your family could be hit by this, so keep watching. This morning, my grandparents received a call from me claiming that I was in a bad car accident and that I needed them to send me money. I do not even own a car. I've not driven a car in the last six months. Obviously, that was not me, but they were close to taking a second mortgage out in order to pay the scammer because they thought it was me. The reason that they believed it was me is because it sounded exactly like me. Thankfully though, my dad was there and he called me to verify that it was actually me and it wasn't so they didn't pay him i recently had saw something on tiktok that scammers are using ai to clone your voice and scam your loved ones out of money and i thought nothing of it yeah sure that's probably possible with ai but that's not gonna happen to me right oh boy was i wrong if you have ever put out a video with you speaking in it on the internet please be careful because all they need is a short audio clip and they can clone your voice seriously consider making a secret code between you and your small group of loved ones so that you guys can verify that you're actually speaking to one another pick up the phone and i hear my daughter's voice and it says mom and she's sobbing and I was what happened and she's like mom I, I, I messed up and she's sobbing and crying and then I hear a man's voice say put your head back lie down and then I'm like wait what what's going on and this man gets on the phone and he's like listen here I've got your daughter this is how it's gonna go down you call the police you call anybody I'm gonna pop her stomach so full of drugs I'm gonna have my way with her and I'll drop her off in Mexico and at that moment, I just start shaking. I'm like, what? In the background, she's going, help me, mom, please help me, help me, and falling. And you have absolutely no doubt in your mind that that was her voice. Oh, 100% her voice, 100% her voice. It was never a question of, you know, who is this? Or it was completely her voice. It was her inflection. 
It was the way she would have cried. I never doubted for one second it was her. I was like, that I don't have a million dollars. I'm like, fine, whatever, just don't my daughter. Then he wants $50,000. It looks like an emotional wreck right now because I've been crying for the past two hours because I thought my little brother was dead. Somebody out there used an AI machine to trick my grandpa into thinking my little brother got in a wreck and died. He mimicked my brother's voice and said, oh, I'm about to get in a wreck. And then the phone went off. And so my grandpa called me and told me this and I immediately thought my brother was dead. I started driving, trying to find his location. He wasn't picking up. And I come to find out that it was a scammer that was trying to get money from my grandpa by calling and saying that he went to jail and he killed someone and he needed bail money. All for money. He acted like my little brother almost died. If you guys ever get called and it's someone asking for money that you know, they're using a freaking AI machine. And you were telling me about a the gift card one you saw on the news. Yes, there's other ways. Uh, it, this was a news item that, that was reported. A lady had received a call from a friend and the friend said, oh, can you run by Target and pick me up some gift cards? I need a gift card for Panera Bread. Well, it ran into the hundreds of dollars. And then this woman's bewildered when she does this purchase and calls her friend. Her friend had never called her. Wow. Wow. Never called her. That's really intense. That's going to result in financial scams, bank fraud, cybercrime and voice verifications. And the thing about that is we think, well, yeah, you know, it's going to be easier with voice verification because it's my voice. Well, if an AI has the use of your voice, it can get into your accounts as well. Where does it, where does it stop? Speaking of which, deep fakes, mm -hmm. which was a few years ago. I'm watching on the computer and what appears to be Tom Cruise at this location, it's his voice, it's his mannerisms, it's his walk, it's Tom Cruise. But <laughs> So, and, and someone had typed in underneath, this can't be Tom Cruise. He's too young to be there at that time. But I am telling you guys, it was him. It was his likeness. It was his voice. It was his speech pattern. It was his walk. It was Tom Cruise that they had computer generated. Well, I mean, you know, we can we can also argue back and forth that deep fakes is what started this whole AI thing in the first place because they can take your voice, your image, your likeness, your personality and plug it somewhere in a video and incriminate or exonerate you from a crime. And I mean, <laughs> we're just, how far is that going to go? And another thing that AI affects is the Writers Guild of America strike. There is a strike going on right now and thousands of WGA writers have been out on picket lines in California and in New York chanting outside of studios and waving signs with slogans like can't Netflix and chill when writers can't pay their bills and have even blocked production on set. It's a huge thing. I know you guys have seen it on the news. And first of all, it's harder and harder to make a living as a writer. Mm -hmm. Even for people who are getting work or not getting work, they're not getting residuals. They're not getting paid for work that gets repackaged or resold or when it goes to other agencies or profits, they're not getting the share of those and it's their original work. Yes, and that really is the backbone of how a writer gets paid is by the residuals. And this is not the first time that there was a strike on this very, very topic. So in 1960, that was the very first strike which resulted in writers getting a share of profits when a movie was aired on TV. 13 years later in 73, there was a strike and that focused on the emerging market of cable vision. Yes, and then in 1980, we saw fights over home video. 
2007, we focused on the new media, basically anything that's distributed online. Now, the bigger problem is these uh, mini rooms. And what these mini rooms are, are writers rooms which, uh, which have, that have fewer writers contracted for shorter periods of time. So basically attempting to turn writing gigs into gig work. We don't, we don't want that. If, if you're a writer and you're writing for a show, you want to be guaranteed a set amount of money for a set amount of time. And as early as 2007, we saw that if a, if a show went from HBO to Hulu to wherever, that these people would get paid. I mean, look at reruns like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and, and, and Living Color. And they, they get residuals every time uh, those things air. But now, no. How, how is that fair? That's not right. And they want to be ensured that working on a streaming service pays out closer to receiving residuals because the streaming services give no additional payment to them. They also want to ensure that uh, they regulate the use of AI in writers' rooms and prevent AIs from writing or changing material covered by the MBA, which is the minimum basic agreement, preventing it from being used as a source material for uh, adaptions and also ensuring that this material, our scripts, everything we write, is not used to train AIs. Because if we take what we what we use to create shows and we plug them into something like ChatGPT or some kind of AI device, now this machine can write scripts for us. And that takes away the human element of, of the whole entire process. Yes, it might be able to write scripts for us, but AI can't exchange ideas. It only spits back information that would only be possible because it had been fed the work by the writers themselves. And they still go uncompensated for that writing. And this just isn't fair. Entertainment should have originality, creative uh, work. It has a spark that comes only from people. It can't come from yeah. a computer. A lot of the great shows we love right now came from the minds of the, the, the you know, the spooky minds, the creepy minds, the, the brilliant ones. It all came from those kind of minds. And if we just plug in a machine and say, hey, write me a script, how good is the show going to be? It may be good, but not as good as a, a human person getting in there, plugging in ideas and exchanging. We, we, we don't know how far this really, really can go. And, you know, right now, the studios, you know, where are they saying? Well, their attitude is get over it. No. They've rejected proposals, refused to even make a counteroffer. And in their ideal world, writers wouldn't even get the residuals. They wouldn't even get paid for uh, recurring work that gets programmed and shown. I understand that because what the big businesses are saying, well, why, why do I have to pay you when I don't even have to pay a machine? I just got to keep the lights on so the machines can run. <sighs> and for those of us who are wondering, well, I don't watch TV. How does, how does this affect me? It's going to affect you. Trust me, it's going to affect you. So what's going to happen is, right now, we're seeing a lot of talk shows uh, go dark. Uh, the Late Night Show, Jimmy Kimmel's, those type of shows are going to go on hiatus. And then we're going to have a lot more reruns. So for those of us who are waiting on shows to come back, uh, shows that went out of season and, and you're looking for a new season, you're going to continue to watch those old reruns and wait for new seasons because those writers are what created these, these uh, shows in the first place that, that we like to watch. And also there's going to be a need for more unscripted work because these writers are not writing anything. So it's going to affect us. You may not feel it right away, but it will. Well, it's already affected some shows mm. that have been forced to postpone, like uh, Still, which is on Apple TV. That's a, that's a show about Michael J. Fox's um, his, the disease he has. Parkinson's. Parkinson's, right. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Loot on Apple TV, starring Maya Rudolph. Billions on Showtime. Stranger Things on Netflix. 
and it affected the last episode of Beef on Netflix. Tax on HBO. MTV Movie and TV Awards, which went forward without a host after Drew Barrymore pulled out. And she pulled out due to the strike. Right. But how, how can you even have the show if she if she pulled out due to the strike? Isn't there like some legal ramifications as to why you can't use her images and whatever she's already recorded for the show if she's already pulled out? I don't know. How can they do that? I would think there, there would be. She should be protected somehow if she pulls out. And yet they used her image. And this is affecting now... Uh, voice and music. Timberland used AI to do a dream collab with the long-deceased Biggie Smalls. Using AI to create Drake and, and Michael Jackson songs. I mean, they just lack soul regardless if the person is deceased or alive. You, you know, it just, I don't want to hear a song from Biggie Smalls because he's not of this era. When he passed away, the time frame that he did, the, the, the best part of the music is the time frame. Right. Bringing right. him, ushering him into this time frame and, you know, being modern. and it, it, No, it doesn't yeah. have, uh, doesn't It's a little it. spooky. It's out of yeah. time and place. And mm. do we want to hear a deceased person's voice in a new recording? It just, mm. It's cheating somehow. It's just not right. Yes. And then you got to ask yourself, well, who benefits from an AI creating song with the artist's voice? Is it the family, the artist, or just the creator of the AI-generated song? And that's not fair. Yeah, well, they've already been tampering with people's voices. Look at Auto-Tune. <laughs> yes. You know, and these manufactured boy bands where they get a bunch of handsome young boys that really aren't that talented, but they put them in the studio. They can manipulate the voices and tune them a certain way and the use of auto-tune to make them sound much better than they actually are. And that even tra transferred over to celebrities were doing that years ago. Uh, Don Johnson, uh, John Travolta, they went in the recording studio and, and the recording studio, even though both of these actors don't have particularly good singing voices, they actually made them sound passable and some of their records sold. Well, yeah, and then that's also going to transcend into audiobooks. And as as you know, My Journey with the Iron has an audiobook that's available on Amazon.com. To be in the studio, it took us about three to four days, and we had to go back and re-record. And, and um, now the appeal to an AI recording an audiobook is that, hey, I don't have to be there for nine, ten hours for the day. I can just send you my voice, and you can have that voice read the, the book. And for me, I want to hear the, the, the breathing. I want to hear and feel like a real person is reading me their own book from their own experiences. There's there's a part in our in our book where you wanted to read a specific part because there's a specific uh, emotion attached to that part. The AI is not going to know that. They're just reading that part just to read it because it's supposed to read it. But but when you get to a certain part where it's touching or it's sad, you want to be able to put put that in. And I don't think you can do that with AI recorded generated voice. No, the AI doesn't know what I felt right. when I failed in the gym or succeeded in the gym. We don't want an easier society when it comes to that. When you record an audio book, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be time-consuming, time just like when you write that book. With AI using voice and, and, and making songs and you know uh, creating audio books, where's the, where's the mistake element of that? For us, when we did My Journey with the Iron, the book, we self-published through Amazon and... Uh, there's a process where you have to upload previous versions. And for some reason, there was some kind of error with Amazon where they printed the earlier version of our book, the one that uh, was not corrected up until that point. And the one mistake in that big, that big thing was that we had 
forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, and it's supposed to be F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D. And it printed the first forward instead of the second one. And then, you know, we thought it to be a bad thing in the beginning, but then after that, we said, you know what, this is what limited editions are, and this is what <laughs> this is what people pay for later on, the, the mistaked copy, you know? And you can hear that in, in, in what you were telling about, Bill, these artists, songs, Led Zeppelin, The Ocean. I mean, you can hear that, the, the mistakes. We want to hear that. Sure we do, and that's that's a human part of it, and that's also someone showing they're human and, and not being perfect, not being so glossy or so slick that there's absolutely no mistake yeah. what you're hearing. And, and, and that applies as we're talking about music, even though we could just push our iPhone or, or, and hear any song we want to hear because it's all already recorded, it's on CD. There's a, a, a large movement going back to, the, to listening to vinyl. Yeah, People yeah. like that raw sound of that guy scratching that guitar and hearing it on the record and played on record. It's raw, it's, it's real, it's a little more primitive, but we like that. That's where music came from. Now, if it sounds like it's all coming off a machine, you know, with drum machines and, and you could push a button on a keyboard and sound like a symphony. <laughs> the trumpets don't have to be there. Hit the button and the trumpets play. Right. There's no guys playing the trumpet. True. No, and speaking of mistakes and, and being perfect, we have the AI models, these digital creations. And AI models will soon replace women in the fashion industry. I mean... These digital models have thousands of followers. These are not actual people. They're, they're computer-generated people, and they have followers. I mean, that's crazy. Also, there is a thing called digital blackface. And what that means is uh, a Caucasian man creates a black AI model you know, of dark, dark skin tone and sends her digitally to companies to model clothes. And... I find that to be a little bit weird because it puts black models out of work, the lighting guy, the camera guy, artists, hairstylists, and makeup artists out of work if everything is done by a computer. Why would we want that? We're going to see a lot of homelessness, Bill, in the next coming years if we, if we allow AI to step into every aspect of society. And you think of some of these models who've worked years, some of them decades, to hone their craft and, and to climb that ladder and to be eliminated and have people follow a computer-generated image. This is not a person. This is not something that has feelings. This is not someone that can thank them for their, you know, that they're, they're looking up to something that's not even real. But also with a, with a model, I think I want to see her walk on the runway. I want to see how that dress flows on her as she walks because maybe we have the same body type and maybe when I put it on, it'll give me that same kind of flow. When it's a computer, how do I know if, it, if it's gonna fit the same? How do I know looking at that computer if we have the same body type or if, or if you know, if she has a little bit of more, more muscle on this arm and you know what I mean? We, there's no humanness to it. So I, I, can't, I, can't, uh, I can't get on that level. I can't feel her, you know what I mean? And sometimes we like the model with the crooked smile. Yeah. Or she's got the big nose. That makes her attractive. Who's, Shira, who's the model that has the um, mixed complexion? She has the white skin and black skin. She's very famous. There's a, a term for this condition. I can't think of the term. It, but um, she's an international model. I think it's, is it Vitaleco? That's it. That's Vitaleco. it. I couldn't think of it. Um, I don't remember 
remember her name. But she's famous. But she is famous and she's black. She's and black. guess what? She's imperfect, yeah. okay? Yes. She's not perfect. Beautiful. Yes. A beautiful model. And there's beauty in imperfection. Yes. And that's that's really what the modeling world kind of is. If you have elongated eyes or, or you know, bigger nose. You're not ordinary. You're not ordinary. So that's why you're that model. But, I mean, even so for plus-size models, there are beautiful plus-size models. You want to see a model in yourself. You you want to feel like you're on that runway with the model. And as an AI, how does the AI make the model? I can't perfect. connect with that. And what about kids seeing these perfect AI generated models? That's what is that going to do to the minds of the kids? Tank their self-esteem because they can't achieve that. Yeah. They don't have the six-pack abs. They don't have the hourglass figure. They're not 5'10", 120 pounds. Right. And they won't be. And, and so do they feel they're not accepted now? But on top of that, an AI is not going to have stretch marks. Yeah. It's not right. going to have blotches on the skin, like lighter tone or face. or It's not going to have any of that. It's going to be a perfect person. Won't have a crooked tooth. <laughs> or no tooth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but they have integrated AI-generated commercials. And the next time you watch TV, you're going to be watching a little bit closer because you're going to be wondering, Hey, am I am I being bamboozled by a fake commercial here? Well, guess what? There's already been a commercial. It's a 30-second unnamed beer brand commercial called Synthetic Summer by a production company called Private Island. And it went viral for backyard vibes and good times generated by artificial intelligence that has never taken a sip of beer. And under the video, reads a caption, no real people are featured in this video. You can't fight the future, but you can probably drink it. <laughs> what? No. There's no another AI-generated commercial no for a fake pizza place. <laughs> yeah, it's called Pizza Hug Spot. Pepperoni oh, Hug Spot, excuse me. <laughs> Pepperoni no, Hug Spot. I don't please. know. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want a fake pizza place. I want to walk into the real thing. You don't want to eat an AI-generated pizza? No, that's oh. gross. Then they have much taste. <laughs> well, how would they know, right? <laughs> they don't know what it tastes like. And then there's a recently declassified television ad from the, from the Department of Lost Media for Burger Blast ad and Pizza Nuggets. Guys, we wouldn't even know the difference. Just go to YouTube and type in all the names we mentioned, Pepperoni Hug Spot, uh, Burger Blast, Pizza Nuggets, and um, the other one for the beer brand, and you'll find them on YouTube. You'll be very, very surprised. And the thing is, these aren't these are these aren't the only ones. There's so many more that have been integrated already. You're going to be watching TV a little bit different because you you don't know what to expect. And I don't want to watch TV like that. I want to know that this commercial is made by real people, so that I can see myself in the in the, in the commercial. I don't want a computer telling me to buy Tide because the clothes are going to be washed. I want a, I want a person who used Tide to tell me that Tide is good. He, he right. built, and now it's even infringed on the world of education. You already in uh, education by uh, way of ChatGPT. That's right. That's right. And that's a free, sophisticated AI chatbot. And that chatbot is capable of understanding and responding to natural language. Ooh. Pretty yes. scary. That is pretty scary because it can answer questions. It can assist you in tasks such as emails, essays, writing code, malware, or simply having a friendly conversation. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a friendly conversation with my phone, computer, or anything. I turn all that off. Google, Siri. I, I don't want it. I really don't want it. And it, Maybe I'm old school in a bit, but I don't want to have any computer talking to me. I want a real person to, to talk well, to me. Well, I think it's pretty smart that you're doing that because each time people do, 
that AI will store the conversation. Oh. Yes, and it'll store your likes, your dislikes, and you know someone can put your information here on the computer and this artificial intelligence, and your it already knows your preference of music. It already knows where you shop, what clothes you buy, and they can pretty much bring up a pretty good facsimile of Shira. Have you noticed that, let's say we're having a conversation and we talk about a pair of sneakers or a certain brand, and then when you look on your phone, that brand pops up in your <laughs> ad. You're like, wait a minute, I, I, didn't, I didn't specifically ask for, for that to, to, to give me that. But the thing is, if you use, a, if you use a, a, a phone like iPhone where you have Siri, that is programmed to listen to you. So that's where the ads come from. And that's that's creepy. So I turn yes. all that off. And I mean, maybe I can't turn it all the way off, but I don't want any of that. I would I would like to search my own things. Thank you, Google. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's the truth. You're being monitored. We, you don't even know it. In college, I like the experience. And maybe I'm the only one, but I like the experience of having those deadlines and, and kind of sort of being a procrastinator, you know what I mean? In the terms of you got a 15 page paper to write and you got three weeks to write it, but you wait until that, that last week to write it. And then for some reason it sparks uh, 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 an idea <laughs> and you have the best 15 page paper you've ever written. You know what I mean? For you to be able to plug a scenario into chat GPT and say, well, you know what chat GPT, I would like, for you to write me a paper on the black experience in America. And for that thing to spit out 15 pages of the black experience, no way. That's for sure. How can it justifiably do that? Yeah. Was it there at the death of a family member? Was it there for the racial injustice? Right. But it's going to accurately tell you how it feels? I don't think so. A chat GPT or type or any kind of chatbot, they can't have a real conversation with you because there's no experience to go with that conversation. So can it tell you uh, about how it felt when their brother passed away or or what it was like to be in a car accident or or you know what I mean? They can't tell you that. It's just it's just spitting out information that they collectively got from somewhere and boom, there you go, you have the answer. There's no verbal exchange, there's no opinion. And for for our students now to be writing papers, they're not writing them. <laughs> they're, they're having them done for them. Yeah. What happens to the, like you said, that, that pressure where you've got to write that mm -hmm. paper, you really gotta use your mind, and really gotta come up with it and be original and creative and write a good paper, yeah. all that's gone. Yeah. They can have it farmed in. How do you detect if a student is using uh, uh, AI-generated paper? You know, for one, I would say, well, if little Timmy's been in your class for, you know, a year and all of a sudden one day he comes in and his paper is pristine, well, then, yeah, you can tell. But I mean, what are the measures for you to really cap, cap this? Well, there have been talks and professors, they can often detect this chat GPT through essays using various methods such as Turnitin and Copyscape, oh, yeah. which have become sophisticated enough without any editing or citation. And they can they can detect mm, that it's okay. being that it's being artificially generated. The student isn't writing it. Right. And another big concern, even with that, is ChatGPT is also writing code. I mean, I remember you have to take a class to write code. I, I mean, it's easier, yeah. But where's the where's the the like like Dave Draper said, the learning is in the doing. That's I want to sure. learn how to do it myself. That way, I can know how just know how to do it. But, you know, this, there just seems to be this movement to not do the work. Yeah. Let's, you know, I don't want to go to college. Just give me the diploma. <laughs>
And, and you, what's that gonna, how's that going to affect our future? If our students are not sitting down, sitting down in front of that computer and typing in their work and doing the work themselves, what are they going to learn? How are they going to be a, a, an effective force in our job market? And this is the big worry because, you know, these, these students are our future doctors, lawyers, nurses, and if they're not doing the work. Yeah. And I don't want an attorney who had his papers all farmed in by GPT. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that really is a, is a big thing that I don't think we really, really take into consideration how big that can become because if we switch gears a little bit and go to like the MTV Movie Awards, right? Bill and I watched the awards and that's not a chat GP thing, but it's in the same realm where this this MTV Awards, it was plastic. It was, it was, there was no kind of human element. And that's what chat GPT takes away from us is a, is a, is a human element. And now you have it in the award show. It was affected by the strike because Drew Barrymore pulled out. Right. And yet they still used her. I don't know how they're able to do that, but they did. She's all throughout the show. But the show really went without a host. There was yes. no host. Yes. And I really think the voice, that male voice, was an AI voice. I don't think it was actually her. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you And we quickly saw that this was all done in advance. It was all pre-recorded. Yeah. And, you know, I think MTV kind of shot themselves in the foot with the flashbacks because then I remembered watching a lot of that footage and, you know, as a, as a kid, when I watched MTV and, and I would stay up and I would wait to see my celebrity get out of the limousine or the car that they were in and, you know, waltz across the red carpet in their beautiful dress and their hair and have the interviewers ask some questions and, and us hear the answers that we've been waiting to hear. Where's the, where's that? Where's the host on the stage, you know, making banter with the guests and, and welcoming everyone. Where's the realness in it? Where's the, the, the human part of it? It was, there was no pomp and circumstance. There was no spontaneity. There was no mistakes. Nobody slipped walking up the stage. Not that we want that to happen, but there was no imperfections, as we yes. mentioned earlier. Yes. It was so sanitized and so sterile yeah. watching this. And and to see these jaded actors in their home or in their bathtub saying, oh, thanks so much for this award. I knew two weeks ago, but hey, thanks. <laughs> and who's to say that MTV didn't say, listen, use your phone and, re and record, you know, you getting the speech and we're going to plug it into the footage later. It's, it's not real, guys. Where's this cheering? That's what I miss the most is the cheering. And then... When you get to the part where they're like, uh, best movie, where's the anticipation? You know, you would look on screen and they would show you three different clips of each each nominee waiting to know who's going to win. Where Where's the, the, the jitters and the, you know? And then also with celebrities, because they knew it was live, they came with a lot of antics, right? <laughs> they said things, they came naked on stage. I mean, it was, they were funny. They did things because they knew it was live. So you couldn't do anything about it. And now we just got this watered down accepting of footage and clips that they plug together to make an award show. And I think that is the, the laziest thing you could do. And, oh. and, and the cheating, the, the way to cheat us out of really getting the experience of seeing and being the best celebrities. And that's the one thing we look forward to, the MTV Awards and, and the Oscars. And if, the, if the, these celebrities, these actors that we we patronize them by going to the theater paying our good money to sit in the theater and support them 
I mean, we don't have to do that. We could watch it on our, our home screens. We could stream it. But we go to support and endorse the industry, and then they can't even dress up and, and take a limousine to an award show where they may be getting honored. Mm -hmm. They're going to sit in their home. And and as she was said, they, the, the award show, the MTV award show, really shot themselves in the foot because they showed the old footage, yeah. and they showed what we're missing now. Yes, yes. The spontaneity, the... The, you know, the quick curse word gets deleted and, and you know, uh, the slip and fall or whatever it may be. And they, they actually revealed what we're missing this year. What I'm really mad about is that they, they gave best movie to screen. And I know that's so off topic, but still. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> when there was other, you know, Wakanda Forever. Yes. Elvis. Yes. Scream 6. It was the sixth version of the first one I saw. <laughs> How is that I mean, I could watch Scream, the first Scream six times. <laughs> it's just, just a debacle. It really was, and there's a, a, a mocking of our intelligence. And I think we still want the, the, the real part of it. I don't want to sit at home and just see clips of, of movies and then someone accepting it in their bathtub. I don't want to see it. Just gone are the days when we didn't know what celebrities did after dark. Now we can plug into any YouTube page or any Instagram and see what they're doing. And I don't know. I, I like my celebrities, but I don't want to know that much about them. I want to see them on stage accepting that award and thanking us for, for supporting them. I don't want to see this actor that I admire and look up to in a very unflattering position. You know, yes. in his home, you know, shoes with no off. shoes on on the sofa. <laughs> and, hey, thanks for the award. But uh, my, you know, my my pizza's in the oven. Yeah, it's just it felt like it was rigged, like yes. we were cheated. Yeah, it actually turned me off and wanted to watch any more award shows because here's the thing: they would probably give the excuse of, well, you know, COVID nineteen precautions and you know wearing a face mask, but that is debunked because look at Super Bowl and concerts and all these other things that people come to and there's no face mask and they're sitting side by side and they're fine. So how does that affect the award show? Do the same thing, but find some way to, to, to prevent that somehow, but give us, give us the real. Give yeah. That, that excuse doesn't fly. As you said, in other major public events where you have people attending and fans, the show went on. And so can the MTV awards and the Grammys and all the other awards that want to just give us a watered down version of just a, a, an hour show. We want to see the mistakes. We want to see our stars. And I think don't cheat us like that. We have got so many movies that warn us of the dangers of AI. And we got to start paying attention because I know we think eh, it can't happen, you know. But guess what? We thought. A virus couldn't shut the whole world down. And it and did. It but we, as Shira said, we had warnings of that. 19 years ago, best picture of the year, Crash in 2004. Mm -hmm. And you hear, at the beginning of the film, you hear Don Cheadle narrate, and he says, you know, we live in a world of glass and concrete. And we almost have to physically crash into each other to just get human interaction. And that was so foretelling because the film is circuitous in that it comes back around and people do actually have to physically bump into one another to interact with one another and speak to one another. My favorite is the consequence of having AI and that is the Terminator.
And oh, we boy. know this. We, we, we saw that, what, what is it, three installments? Yes. We know what could happen. Maybe it may not be to that extent, but it could it could happen. You know, we, we're, AI is taking over in small increments, and it'll become bigger and bigger and bigger until it's completely embedded in, into our society. So Terminator is a really, really good one as well. And you see this leading in from prior movies like The Net with mm. Sandra Bullock. She's a computer programmer and she's an expert at what she does. But this net, which is short for the internet, she's just becomes an agrophobe. She's at home. She has her food uh, sent in. She had her groceries delivered and she just becomes this person that doesn't deal with society at all. And she gets drawn into a public, some type of, I don't remember the full plot of the movie, but what I remember is she's got to leave her home and she has a lot of trouble adjusting to the outside world because she's had everything done for her via computer. What about, uh, oh, our beloved iRobot with Will Smith? Man, I love that movie. Okay, I love that movie. And that movie is based on a rogue robot who disobeys his human programmer's three rules. And there you see the creation turn on the creator. Now, we don't want that. So we got to really look in our robot and make sure that that, just, that doesn't happen. The Matrix. Oh, okay. Yeah, Living in an artificial virtual world that seems better than the one we're in. <laughs> and it's created by an AI so advanced, it's managed to manipulate and take over society to the point where they're harvesting human energy into batteries. Oh. That just sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want that to happen. There's a show, The 100. Now, if you guys have not seen the show, please go and stream it right now. I'm not going to give you the, the entire gist of the show, but let's just say an AI robot is responsible for the destruction of the world. And I'm not, that's what I'm going to tell you. That's it. And speaking of AI robots, there was <laughs> a movie with Joaquin Phoenix in 2013, 10 years ago. He falls in love with an AI computer-generated voice, a woman's voice, and he fashions a hologram of her and he becomes <laughs> obsessed with her. She's encouraging him. She's giving him the answers he wants to hear. He's creating this fantasy out of something that isn't even there. I don't, I would not want that at all whatsoever. I mean, like I said before, I turned Siri off and Alexa and all these things off because I don't want to talk to a computer. Exactly. I want to talk to a real person real time. I want to touch them. I want to feel them. I don't want to have a robot being my friend. I think that's just weird. But, you know, to each his own. <laughs> but it's, this movement has been slow and insidious. Yes, it has. And it's, yes. you know, and the movies and media are making it acceptable. We're supposed to just welcome this and embrace it. We don't have to. Another good one that Bill hasn't seen, and we're gonna have to, we're <laughs> gonna have to have a movie day so that you can watch it. It's called Ready Player One. And those of you have, who have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a really good movie. And the plot of that is an AI simulated parallel virtual world alleviates the burden of a depressing daily life and has millions of users preferring that world over reality. And in that world, you can be anything you desire. Uh, no. That that is weird. So you guys need to watch that movie because when you get to the end, you'll see why it's such a good movie. Life has its ups and downs. That's part of life. Mm -hmm. Also, Black Mirror. Now, Black Mirror is coming back. I think the new season is going to be on Netflix uh, sometime in June. But they have a lot of AI warning uh, episodes, like the first one that I love and my favorite, season three, episode one, Nosedive. Season one, episode three, the entire history of you. 
Yes, and season two, episode one, be right back. Now, along with Nosedive, this is one of my favorites, but the reason why it's my favorite is because it's so morbid and creepy. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say in that episode, the, the, the husband of a wife passes away and she's able to bring him back from the dead in more ways than one. Go check it out. Another entertaining one was from season four. The fifth episode is Metalhead. Oh, yeah. And then season two, episode four, White Christmas. Listen, these are all great episodes. And there's so many more that we didn't list. So go check out uh, Black Mirror on Netflix and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. If we let this get too far, we'll end up like these episodes on Black Mirror. It's all getting pretty scary. There's a lot of negative aspects to this AI. Well, Shira, do you think there's some advantages to it? Well, I mean... Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's, there's efficiency, you know, which is like taking time taken to perform a task. Uh, it operates 24-7 without the need for rest or breaks or, you know, wears out easily or food or has any downtime. Um, things that we're currently using now, like Siri or Alexa, which listens to us and performs a task in one tap. We use GPS, which helps us navigate the world, uh, predictive text, um, audio transcribing, which is the use of talk to text, subtitles, Shazam, SoundHound, which finds the, the sound or the song we're looking for within 30 seconds of hearing the instrumental or the beat. We have Google AI search engine, uh, quickly processing forms, uh, weather, electronic signatures, FaceTime, Zoom, Zoom meetings, which evolved from COVID. And then we have surveillance. Well, you brought up a lot of good points, I have to say, and there's a lot of ways AI intelligence and technology does benefit us, but surveillance, I'm not so sure. I don't know that I want Big Brother watching every move I make and where I go and what I do and yeah. when I s scratch my butt. I don't know that I want everybody... <laughs> I don't think AI wants to know that part. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think anybody wants to see that, but I don't want I don't want to be able to. Well, I mean, on the lower level, on the lower level of surveillance, I mean, we can have it, we can have ring doorbells at our home. So I'm here in West Palm and, you know, maybe somewhere in Hollywood, I can see my home. I can see, you know, my dog in the house running around and, and healthy and okay. And you can see who's coming in on your back porch or, or if there's anything going on in the neighborhood. I mean, surveillance in that way, yes. yes. Yeah, there's good points yeah. where we're for security. But as far as... Um, you know, things like uh, social security numbers and personal information, that's where surveillance is dangerous to me. And who's going to get their hands on the quickest? Criminals. It seems like every technological advancement, who's right there at the forefront? Criminals. <laughs> and course. we can't, they stay, seem to stay a step ahead of the authorities. Well, I think if anybody knows more about the dangers of the surveillance and uh, invading on our privacy would be Edward Snowden. Oh, yeah. boy. That's the truth. <laughs> that's yeah. the truth. And he exposed that, and he was vilified for doing it. Oh, of course, of course. So that's why, you know, I know you picked up on surveillance, but I kind of meant on a lower level, just ah. just, just as a personal being able to, to be somewhere else and, and still be in the same place at the same time, being able to see what's going on in your house or what's going on with your neighbor's house. They actually have neighborhood watch with the use of cameras in, in the neighborhood. So, for example, if my neighbor has a ring doorbell and then the neighbor across from me has a ring doorbell, it becomes a neighborhood watch because we can all have different angles of what's going on in the neighborhood. So, in that way, it's really good. But Big Brother, I know what you mean. And then uh, another another uh, advantage is it reduces human error and uh, it allows for quicker decision making or like rational decision making. Mm. 
I don't know. I think artificial intelligence rational. I think it bases things more on statistics and information that's been sure. provided. So again, the human element of wisdom, personal experience certainly doesn't uh, come into play, isn't a part of that at all. And that's that's what I want in decision making. Yeah. I want wisdom and experience, not facts that have been put in that are spit back out. That, that is true. And I did like when you said, mm. <laughs> <laughs> having a, a computer make all of your decisions, especially the rational ones, that is dangerous in itself. Because how many of us have how many of us have used GPS and ended up somewhere completely different because GPS sent us there? I've ended up in in alleys, thinking this is where the location is, and it's not. So we can't entirely trust decision making to in an AI. With every technology, there's still some glitches. Mm -hmm. Even in technology, it's not perfect. It's, I think, a benefit. It can be an aid. But decision-making, I want the human element there. I, I want the opinion of someone who may have been through that before. Right. right. You know, and the wisdom of, of, of someone who's older or who, who's a little more experienced than me. I don't want to – artificial, artificial intelligence can tell me facts. It can give me um, examples of things, but it can't give me that human opinion and advice that I'm looking for. Right, that is true. And I remember when you were telling about um, Fahrenheit 451 and how it compares to, to, to the AI, you know, and what's going on right now. Oh, boy. Again, to me, we're talking about, and here it's blatant, <laughs> yeah. a, a form of control, controlling society, burning the books so they can't read mm -hmm. and educate themselves yeah. and, and forming control by doing so. And to read a book is to be a rebel. Ooh. So we're going to burn all the books and you're just going to read what we want you to read or see what we want you to read. And I believe in that movie, if I'm not mistaken, there were only uh, one or two books they could read. One was the Bible. And the, and the other one was the government book, which I don't know what that is. But, hmm. yeah. Again, this is, this you know, the second, I think the remake came out in 2018, but mm -hmm. the book was written by Ray Bradbury, I think, in the 50s. And definitely go check out the uh, the movie, Fahrenheit 51, starring Michael B. Jordan. It is a really good book. It's going to, uh, movie, and it's going to have you thinking about living in a society that's, that's controlled that way. I don't think we would like it. And. I don't want to go to a society like that. Honestly, I like my freedom. I like my my, my freedom of choice and freedom of speech. And I like the imperfections. Mm -hmm. We need them. We learn from them. We all make them. If we live in such a sterilized, uh, plastic society that's already been determined, mm -hmm. and the you know the the machines are already, and we've seen the examples in movies. If if the creation, as Shira said, the creation turns on the creator. And if a artificial intelligence becomes so sophisticated and so efficient, where does that leave us? Yeah. Out of jobs. At the mercy of a machine. At the mercy of a machine. And I wouldn't want that. I mean, think about think about when you don't even have your phone on you. How helpless you feel. How dependent we become on something that simple. Yeah. Books give you different perspectives all over the world. So to burn a book or to burn all books and just have one book you can read, what would be the purpose of that? Why? Control. And going back to all the negatives we mentioned, and there were some positive things, of course, there were some, but my opinion on the show, I think the negatives outweigh the apologies, uh, the positives. I really do. And I think we really need to keep a handle on this and keep it because it's encroaching on almost every aspect of society. 
we got to be vigilant and watch out for it. It has its place, mm -hmm. um, but we can't just be controlled by this or allow that to happen. I kind of think of AI like one of those those little vacuum robots in your house. You know, <laughs> you you it can roam around and pick up the dirt and do the dirty work for you, but you can also turn it off when you want. And that's that's how I like my AIs, not where it's controlling me and telling me what to do and where to go and what I can and cannot do. And that's a world where we're going to come to see because with everything good, there is a downside, a bad side to it. And the bad side usually outweigh the, the good if we allow it. Great analogy there. Great analogy. Yeah, I, I just don't want us to slowly lose control over our world. Well, guys, that's our time. We got to go because we're going to prepare for a Rich Alvarez and Maria Bolando show. That is the triumph in Fort Lauderdale on May 20th, which is this Saturday. So come see us, come hang out with us because we're going to be there. But thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode of A Daily Dose of Vitamin Bill. Guys, check out our tall tales from a short memory, which are available on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, and all podcast platforms. Our book, My Journey with Iron, is not only available in the library of Congress, but it is also available on Amazon, in paperback, Kindle, and ebook format. Uh, if you're in the area, come visit us at the studio and we'll definitely sign it for you. And uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can find us on BillNeeland.com. You can find me at Reggae Beauty on Instagram and Bill at the Fitness Edge, Fitness Edge West Palm Beach, which is WPB on Instagram. Until then, we're out. <laughs>